That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, Tom Harbin here. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. It's supported by advertising. So after this brief message, we'll get right into it. Deborah's home was stolen. No, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest growing white collar crimes. And this story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need home title lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Uh, (laughs) John Bolton, oh, this is hysterical. He has feelings. He's sad. (laughs) Seriously, this is the new sales pitch here from Jim Inhofe. Senator Jim Inhofe. Right now, John Bolton's very emotional about this. He's a human being. He does have sensitivities. Right. So, Alan Dershowitz says, quote, if a president does something which he believes will help him get elected in the public interest, that cannot be the kind of crime that results in impeachment. Hmm. What if the Republican decides to suspend the election? Julio Rivera is with us. Julio is the editorial director of Reactionary Times. He's a columnist with Newsmax, American Thinker, and Townhall.com, ReactionaryTimes.com, and his Twitter handle is Oh Yeah, it's Julio. Julio, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. Been a while since we've talked, my friend. So, do you really want to live in a country? And I realize you're in Bulgaria right now, but you know you're a U.S. citizen. <laughs> do you really want to live in a country where President Bernie Sanders can do anything he wants? No, I don't. I mean, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, Bernie Sanders talked previously about, you know, raising the income tax level for anyone making over, I believe it was half a million dollars up to at least 75%. Right, where it was um, when Reagan came I, I was looking, And you wouldn't even be able to carry the total federal budget. I think you're missing a, the point a, a of my question, year. Julio. The impeachment okay. process here... You've got the attorney for the president saying that the president can commit crimes, specific crimes, things that are against the law. But if he does it because he believes that his being president is in the public interest and he's doing it in order to get himself reelected, that's just fine. So if Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren was president of the United States, and they decided that, you know, getting themselves reelected, well, it's time to put all the bankers in jail or it's time to, you know, or whatever. I mean, you know, I could, we could push the boundaries of this thing. One of the things that wouldn't surprise me if Trump tries to do is invoke the Patriot Act. And if he doesn't look like if, if the polls look like he's going to lose the election and just suspend the election. We're talking about the Senate being on the verge 
of basically changing our nature of government. I mean, the most important defining characteristic of an authoritarian dictatorship is that the authoritarian leader uses the power of the state to maintain his own personal power. And that's what divided government, three separate branches that are co-equal, was designed to prevent. And Mitch McConnell is about to take that down. And the rationale is because, you know, well, Trump could commit a crime, but he believed it was in the public interest. I would be astonished, frankly, if a guy who is as committed to the principles of liberty as you are agreed with this. Well, I, I think that you're what you're doing is you're spinning a golden yarn here, and I don't and I don't agree in, with the direction that you're taking it. First off, what occurred between President Trump and uh, Zelensky on the phone call was not a quid pro quo, as they're saying. I, regardless of what, whatever, however Dershowitz wants to frame it, I, I wasn't necessarily ecstatic with the presentation that he made, you know, the statement that he made as far as the way that he was trying to frame it to be. The fact of the matter is, and I brought this up, I believe, the last time that we spoke, you know, Burisma Holdings is a corrupt, you know, energy company, which is partially basically a the Ukrainian government, you know, subsidizes it to a certain degree, and we subsidize the Ukrainian government to a certain degree. So President Trump had every right to look, ask the president, maybe we should look into this. Why is Hunter Biden making a million dollars a year, you know, for you know, somebody who has no experience in the energy sector? And I think that the reason that everybody's been going after the president is that there's been a culture amongst the, you know, the political class in this country, and this is something that you should be upset with, too, where this, this is like the, the Pelosi's, the Obama's, the Clinton's, even the Romney's have always taken advantage of their political class here to make deals with these foreign entities, you know, peddling their influence. And that's something that, quite frankly, has to stop. So, yeah, I, I agree. Jared Kushner, and, and you even know, Zelensky. CNBC right now is reporting that back in November of 2017, when Jared Kushner's company was a billion dollars underwater and he was desperately seeking money, that he went with Trump to China and met with a whole large group of billionaire investors in China. And just a few months before that, his sister, Nicole Kushner Meyer, had gone to China and had told, this was recorded, it was caught on tape, told these Chinese investors that if they put $500,000 into a Kushner property in New York, they would qualify for a green card in the United States. We don't know what kind of a pitch Kushner made. We do know that a few months later, Brookfield Properties, which is a cutter-backed company that has Chinese connections, gave the Kushners a billion dollars or basically bailed them out. But CNBC has filed a Freedom of Information Act thing against the, uh, against the State Department. They filed this two and a half years ago, and the State Department just gave them a date. They said, okay, we'll provide you with the information in July of next year, after the election. I'm with you. I, you know, I think it's terrible that Hunter Biden was on that board. I think it looks terrible. I think Hunter Biden should testify and clear all this stuff up, you know, whether he had anything to do with it. But the, there were dozens, hundreds of corrupt companies in Ukraine. And Donald Trump only had an interest in the one whose son, uh, on whose board was the son of the guy that is, was most likely going to be his, his opposition candidate and who was beating him in the polls, Joe Biden. So, you know, this was nakedly political, Julio. This was not any no, concern not about general not, corruption. Come on, you know that. Not necessarily, because I think a lot of things have been uh, dispelled here as far as, the, you know, the United States. The Democrats were trying to say that, you know, President Trump put national security interests, you know, on the, to do it to the wayside by withholding this aid, which, first off, was never withheld. We never, um, the Javelin surface-to-air missiles were delivered to right. the Ukraine, and that's the, 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 most, the, the biggest mitigating factor to make sure that, you know, that they're not invaded, that there's no land advancements into the Ukraine by, let's say, a country like Russia or what have you. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm actually, you know, Tom, I'm taking it back a little bit. Based on the way that the, the, the topic for the day was presented to me, I didn't know this was going to fall into impeachment. I thought this was going to be more of a Bernie. No, that was the essence of it. Is of, if, uh, if, listen, Julio, if what the Senate does is says to, to Trump, to Donald Trump, yeah, sure, you committed a crime, you know, attempted bribery, attempted extortion. Um, but we're going to ignore that because you were simply trying to. Dude, to, was it really a t- 
attempted bribery and extortion, though? Are you not yes, bribery that? is exchanging, a, you know, a, a, for a government official, bribery is exchanging a thing of value for an official act. The official act was, I'll give you this this uh, aid that Congress has appropriated that that he had had he had held up for several months at that point. I'll give you this and and Ukraine knew it. I'll give you that aid if you give me Joe Biden's head on a on a pike. Basically, you know, you you take down Joe no, Biden's no. son. Hey, there could they, How they is could that very well investigated and find and found that there was nothing wrong with what occurred. But the president had every right to act. Listen, what the Democrats are doing here is they're destroying the future of diplomacy. Anytime a future president, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, picks up the phone and talks to another foreign leader and tries to figure out some things, that's gonna be, there's going to be so much scrutiny. But here's the thing, if the, if the Democrats made, aren't how, how, successful... How can we even communicate with other countries going forward? If the Democrats are not successful, then future presidents will know that they can break the law and just say... You know, tough luck, Charlie. I'm going to ignore you because I've but got. Didn't break, but he didn't break the law. The essence of the listen, the, the whole impeachment thing is based on did President Trump enlist the aid of a foreign government to interfere in an election? You Correct. can't surmise that him asking for that investigation into Hunter Biden is interference. We in have had election. we have had 14 witnesses from within the Trump administration say that, yes, that's exactly what Donald Trump did. And now you've got John Bolton saying, not only is that what he did, he told me that's what he was doing. That's like Jim Comey saying, I was disturbed, I was confused and concerned with the way that President Trump said that he wanted loyal. Like, these are the the impressions of people. No, no, John Bolton has written... By the standard that it would take to convict somebody in a court. Listen, John Bolton is saying Trump just said, told me, hey, you know, I'm withholding this aid until they give me Hunter Biden. John Bowen has an axe to grind because of the way he was unceremoniously dumped, which he should have been. He should have never been a part of the administration. Uh, we don't need war hawks and neocons and nation builders in America anymore. We need to become more isolation. So I think you can agree so with you're that, not too. concerned. We don't need to go in and invade every country and have these trillion-dollar wars. You're not concerned about the White House, the, the presidency, getting so powerful that they can basically ignore Congress and ignore the law on the verge of an election that may elect a genuine progressive who will deconstruct everything that you and you know all your buddies who will raise taxes well, back destroy, up to 74%. Destroy a wildly successful American economy now. Exactly right. Exactly right. Like, Let's like use your frame. Earlier. Let's use your frame. Let's say, you know, President Bernie Sanders or President Elizabeth Warren comes in and flips the economy upside down and says, you can't stop me, Congress, and that's okay with you. No, it's not okay with me, but that's not what President Trump is doing. I think that you listen, he's talking to a foreign leader. There, there's corruption, obviously, that occurred in the last administration. He just wants to find out and have it investigated. And he didn't say anything other than maybe we should look into this. And that's more or less, the, the, I guess, the way that the call has been framed by, you know, um, Adam Schiff and... This is more insinuations. People are making assumptions. Well, I don't think what Trump, Trump says he wants he wants to look into the CrowdStrike server. You somebody on what you your assume your assumptions of what his intentions were. You have to actually find hardcore evidence that a crime occurred. Yeah. Listen, President Trump's civil liberties have been stopped, stepped on ever since he announced that he was running for president. You know, it's been horrible this entire time. And there's no evidence that an actual crime occurred. It was just, this is diplomacy. This is him talking to a foreign leader, asking that some potential corruption be investigated. Julio, Julio Rivera. Hang on just a second, Julio. This is the Tom Hartman Program. .com and the uh, Twitter handle is, oh yeah, it's Julio, ReactionaryTimes.com. Thanks, Julio. Good talking to you. So what do we do? I mean, you know, this, I put this thing up on Facebook and, you know, what I wrote and, and I really, I think this is the issue. This is what we need to be concerned about. The single most important defining characteristic of an authoritarian dictatorship is that the authoritarian leader uses the power of the state to maintain his own personal power. Dennis in Aptos, California. Hey, Dennis, looks like you're on topic. What's up? Well, real quickly, as far as Julio Rivera is concerned, if you have an R after your name, you can break the law and it's okay. 
it's only not okay if you have a D after your name. I wanted to bring up something with you, Tom. If 20 Senate Republicans grew a spine and decided to vote to oust Trump, which means he's out of office and he can't run, right. he's disbarred from running for office anymore, he would be powerless. You would have no more power. I know. Here's no the here's the thing. Power. You know, it's the old the old saying from Caesar or from uh, Shakespeare, rather. If you're going to try and take down the king, you have to take, kill the king. I forget the exact quote, but where's that effect? Basically, if you fail, the king will kill you. And there's no doubt in my mind that at least 20 of the Republican senators think Trump is a despicable human being and a blot on democracy in America. But none of them are willing to say out loud to any of their colleagues hey, maybe we should take Trump out because they're afraid that they'll be ratted out and that'll be the end of their political career. They are cowards. This guy, you know, Trump is a bully. I'll have your head on a pike. We don't know if he actually said that phrase. That sounds more like the kind of thing Mitch McConnell would say. But, you know, that's the message that they all got. And obviously, I mean, they're all dancing like terrified people with a mouse on the floor. Oh, my God, I'm jumping up on the table. You know, that's what's going on here. But they all have to face the general election. And as far as who's going to have the majority the next time around, you have those senators in purple states. And I think if, you know, if they vote either, no witnesses, and I think even if they vote to acquit, I think those guys are going to, those men and women are going to lose their election because there's just, you know, there's two, what is it now? The, there's one poll that says 56% of the people want Trump removed from office. Right. The other thing, too, that's come up is what happens if there's a 50-50 vote? Mm-hmm. And I guess this, uh, Roberts could break it. I've heard Pence can't come in and break it. It's got to be somebody else, and it's got to be the Supreme Court justice. But also it's been put up that, no, it has to be 51. If it's 50, the Democrats lose anyway, which I think is crazy. Well, well there's a, there's a debate about this. In the, in the Andrew Johnson impeachment, in one of the motions that led up to that thing, uh, what, what was the Supreme Court justice's name at that time? It was Samuel something or other. Anyhow, he actually cast a vote. He, he cast a tie-breaking vote, as I recall. But, okay, but there's really, I mean, President. yeah, the rules, the rules are, you know, they're kind of making them up as they go along. And we'll see. Hey, Valentine's Day is coming up. Imagine this is you. You're parked outside the restaurant where you're meeting your date in a few minutes. Glancing in the mirror, you notice your wrinkles and large under-eye bags rummaging through your bag. You're thinking, where's my secret weapon? And there it is. It's Plexiderm. You apply the clear serum under your eyes and boom, two minutes later, you start seeing the under-eye bags and wrinkles disappearing right in front of your eyes. Like magic. You'll look years younger. Plexiderm is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's a Valentine's Day you give yourself. Uh, try, go to TryPlexiderm.com and enter Voices for 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter Voices at TryPlexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So to get my special discount, enter Voices at TryPlexiderm.com. So what happens this fall, let's say um, the last week of October, the polls show that Donald Trump is going to lose by a landslide. The Republican secretaries of state have thrown as many people off the voting rolls as they can, but these are red states, so it almost doesn't matter. And you know, because their people are still going to vote in the in the blue states and the purple states, and it's looking like Trump is going to go down in flames. And so he lobs some missiles into Tehran, and Tehran, you know, and Iran throws some missiles back at us in the in the Gulf and shuts down the Gulf, the Straits of Hormuz. And Trump says, "Hey, we've got a national emergency." Now he has already declared a national emergency once. He did that so that he could access the military budget to build his wall, a section of which, by the way, blew over yesterday in a windstorm. Honest to God, Trump's new wall blew over in a windstorm. But anyway, 
So Trump is looking at this and he says, okay, I'm, I'm declaring a national emergency under the Patriot Act. I can do this. And I'm going to suspend the election. You know, the election's supposed to be November 3rd. We'll move it back a year. We'll move it back a month, right? We'll have it on December 3rd. I'm just going to move it back four weeks. And the Democrats go all hysterical and they try to impeach him. But the Republicans say, no, no, you can't do that. You know, we're, we're with Trump. It's just a month. And then December comes and he says, you know, we're still at war with Iran. We'll have the election in January. And then January comes and he says, well, let's try March. And pretty soon, you know, it's the new normal and Trump is still in office. And Trump still has power. This, the single most defining, single most important defining characteristic of an authoritarian dictatorship is that the authoritarian leader uses the power of the state to maintain his own personal power. He uses that power to aggrandize and assist himself, and he uses that power to punish his enemies, which is exactly what Trump is doing and has been doing through this whole thing. Now, the founders the, the, and the framers of the Constitution were, you know, very clearly understood this, and that's why they came up with this idea of, of a, a government that is shattered into four pieces. Three distinct branches of government, and one of those branches is divided itself into the House and Senate. So that none of these three branches will end up with absolute power. And, you know, it held, more or less, until now. But now, you know, with Mitch McConnell promoting this idea that Dershowitz laid out yesterday, that he's, he's trying to walk back a little bit on TV, but we all know this is the third or fourth time he's done this. It's like his saying that when he got massages from underage girls at, at Jeffrey Epstein's island or mansion or wherever it was, he kept his underwear on, don't you know? Right. Anyhow. Alan Dershowitz's idea that as long as the president thinks that his presidency is in the public interest, therefore, if he's committing crimes to get himself reelected, that's in the public interest. Therefore, when Richard Nixon broke in, you know, ordered the plumbers to break into the Watergate Hotel looking for the Democrat, you know, to, to see if the Democrats knew about Nixon's treason in 1968. That was just fine. So when did this tyranny begin in America? Did it begin with Nixon? Did it begin with Reagan? Did it begin with Bush? Is it beginning right now? I'll share my thoughts with you right after the break and we'll pick up your calls. Welcome back, Tom Harvin here with you. So uh, when did this start? Right. When did tyranny in America really start? When did the Republican Party stop being a political party that actually had, you know, a set of values and principles and ideas that they were promoting and become basically, you know, organized crime? Some people would suggest that it started with Nixon's treason. Back in 1968, LBJ, his vice president, Hubert Humphrey, was going to run for pre was running for president. And LBJ cut a deal with the South and the North Vietnamese to end the war in Vietnam. He had the deal. They were going to announce it in, in September or October of 68, which, of course, would have made Humphrey the president, would have blown Nixon out of the water. And Nixon got wind of this, and Nixon reached out to the Vietnamese and said, just wait until after the election. I'll give you a better deal. This is from the LBJ Library. This is the tape of a conversation between Lyndon Johnson and the Republican leader of the Senate, Everett Dirksen. Well, now, what do you think we ought to do about it? Well, I better get in touch with him, I think, and tell him about it. I think you better tell him that his people are saying to these folks that uh, they oughtn't to go through this meeting. Now, if they don't go through the meeting, it's not going to be me that's hurt. I think it's going to be whoever's elected, and it'd be my guess, him. Yeah. And I think they're making a very serious mistake, and I don't want to say this. Yeah. And you're the only one I'm going to say it to. Yeah, and later on in that same clip, and I, I had the wrong clip here, but later on, LBJ, the meeting that he was talking about was the Paris Peace Talks, and, you know, which the South Vietnamese ended up more or less boycotting, and that was the end of that. And so was it Nixon? Nixon committed treason to become president. 
used a foreign power to get into the White House. Was that when it started? Well, Nixon ended up leaving office. I mean, Nixon got run out of office. Now, it had to do with the Watergate burglary. We didn't learn about this treason. LBJ went to, took it to his grave. We didn't learn about this until 50 years after LBJ was dead. But we know about it now. Or was it Reagan? When Ronald Reagan cut a deal with the Iranians to hold the hostages so that Jimmy Carter wouldn't become president. President Bonnie Sauter of Iran has testified, has written about that in the Christian Science Monitor. You can Google it right now. B-A-N-I-S-A-D-R is his last name. That's the, the, he was the president of Iran in 1980, and he wrote an op-ed in the, in the Christian Science Monitor in which he said that you know Reagan cut a deal with Khomeini to hold the hostages. He tried to free the hostages. He was elected president in September of 1980 on a platform of freeing the hostages. With 74% of the vote, he won. He went to Khomeini, and Khomeini said, no, we got to deal with Reagan. We're going to hold the hostages until Reagan becomes president, and then he's going to sell us weapons, which is exactly what happened. And who bailed Reagan out on that? And his vice president, George Herbert Walker Bush, who was in on it? It was Bill Barr as attorney general in 1992. Bill Barr told George H.W. Bush, pardon Casper Weinberger, pardon the three guys that Larry Walsh has already gotten convictions against, and pardon, there was one other guy, I forget his name, pardon all five of them. And it shut down the Iran-Contra investigation. That was the end of it. Elliot Abrams got pardoned. Oh, it was Ollie North was the other guy. Pardon them all. Or was it in 2000 when Jeb Bush committed treason? Now, Jeb Bush's was the first one of the three that didn't involve a foreign power. Instead, he went to Texas. Right? He had Catherine Harris get a list of Texas, Texas felons. And compare that list of Texas felons, more than half of which were of whom were either black or Hispanic. Compare that, and, and the name pool for African Americans and for Hispanics is much smaller than the name pool for you know white people in general. And you know I've talked about this. I won't repeat the whole rant again, but that's what he did. And he compared that with the list of Florida voters. And when they found a bunch of people who had similar names, they didn't even have to match perfectly. Jimmy Johnson and James Johnson and James Q. Johnson and James L. Johnson, they were all the same person. And he pushed somewhere between 20 and 90,000 African Americans off the voting rolls in Florida, depending on whose lawsuit you're believing. And as a result, he got his brother within a few hundred votes of becoming president. Was it that treason? I mean, this each one of these, and now you've got Donald Trump. This is the fourth Republican president. As I keep saying, we have not had a legitimately elected Republican president since Dwight Eisenhower. This is the fourth Republican president who used treason to become president. He reached out to a foreign power. In this case, it was Russia, and they helped him out. He said, Russia, you know, get those emails, and they sure enough did. And now he's saying, hey, uh, Ukraine, take down Joe Biden's son for me. Oh, and by the way, China, would you do it too? We've got two meetings now that we know it's a matter of public record that Donald Trump has talked with President Xi of China about Joe Biden's son getting money for his hedge fund from a Chinese investment group, just like Jared Kushner did. But you think Jared Kushner is going to be the topic of conversation? Somehow I doubt it. So when do you think it started? Nick in Santa Barbara. Hey, Nick, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, thank you for taking my call. I came from Eastern Europe like 20-some years ago, mm -hmm. and kind of longer I stay here, I start finding some similarity in the rural area in this country mm -hmm. compared to the rural area in Bulgaria where I came from. So in Bulgaria, in the rural area, they vote like 90% for the communists. Mm -hmm. And over here, I see the same similarity with the Republicans. So... What is your take on that? It's yeah, I, what you're saying is basically the people who are poorer or less ed well educated are voting with the authoritarian party and leader. Is that correct? Yeah, but yeah. Uh, how we can help them to see themselves and compare themselves and see 
if they like it or not. That's what I've been thinking lately. Yeah, it's a real tough one, Nick, because when you've got government policies that prevent people from getting solidly into the middle class, that keep them in poverty, which which we've had in the United States with since Reagan, with Reaganism, with trickle-down economics. Now, two years ago, officially, fewer than 50% of Americans are in the middle class. It was over two-thirds when Reagan came into office. Same thing in Bulgaria, I'm sure, in the rural areas. Those people are never going to lift themselves out of poverty. So once you've got people in poverty, all you have to do is point at a third group and say, they're the ones who are making you poor. You know, Hitler said, oh, it's the Jews who are making you poor. They're, you know, they're taking all the money with the banks and stuff. In Bulgaria, they would probably be saying it's the, it's the opposition political party. I don't know, you tell me. Here, it's Trump saying, oh, it's brown people from Mexico. They're taking your jobs. And, you know, 50 years ago when it was Nixon, they, you know, he was saying and Reagan was saying, oh, it's black people taking your jobs, speaking to the white middle class that was, you know, that votes in large numbers. Who were the uh, scapegoats in Bulgaria, Nick? Well, you know, it's basically the West is going to destroy and cut all the social security and all this stuff. So the people right. were trying to preserve the only kind of uh, comfortable thing for them, the health care, the pensions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they disappeared anyway. So yeah. it, you know, I <laughs> exactly. Think My point. Too, <laughs> yeah, it uh, seems to me people were too naive and want things to happen because they just vote. No, yeah. you need to do something about it. You can't just vote for Trump and wait him to fix abortion or whatever it's your issue, you know. You do it on your own. You can't just do something like to make someone else do your job. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Well, Nick, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate the call and, and your perspective. Donald in Aurora, Illinois. Hey, Donald, your thoughts? Yes. How are you doing there, Tam? Good. As far as I'm concerned, Tam, we lost democracy. We just don't know it yet. That's what's happening here. Congress no longer has oversight. And this business that we always talked about, how we bragged about our democracy has checks and balances and the rule of law and all this other nonsense. All that was all smoking mirrors. And it only works when you got a government that's willing to abide by those rules. We don't even have that. We never had it. And all it took was a crooked president with crooked cabinet members and a crooked AG, and they commandeered our government. Yep, and you're absolutely even, right. Even at the, and and even, maybe, even at the, you know, the good news here, Donald, is that maybe this is the wake-up moment for America. You know, maybe we will get a president and we will have swept into office a party and a lot of good progressives who actually believe in, in functional, clean government. And maybe we won't. Maybe we'll get Donald Trump re-elected and if, you know, or we'll, we'll end up with some sort of, you know, corrupt Democrat. I don't know. We'll have, but I think this is probably our last chance. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. By the way, the people tweeting, if you're tweeting at me about Julio, tweet it to Julio. Oh, yeah, O-H-Y-E-A-H. It's Julio, I-T-S-J-U-L-I-O. Dion in Carl Junction, Missouri. Hey, Dion, what's up? Hey, Tom. On the subject of when tyranny started, I think it's just important to just remember American history that it's impossible to not have tyranny and also have slaves. It's impossible to not be a tyranny and have half your population not be able to vote, or more than half. Depends on how far you go back. This, This country has always been a tyranny. I think the upside of the Donald Trump administration is that mask is off. Well, we have been taking steps in the right direction. I mean, you're right. And when we started, we were separating from a monarchy, from a king who just, you know, by decree just said, okay, you know, you live, you die, my opinion, that's it, period. And we turned that into a form of government where a a substantial minority or a small majority of Americans, that would be white men, basically ran the country. And then after the Civil War, uh, in theory at least, for a few years before Reconstruction failed, African Americans were brought in. That happened in the 60s, I would argue, with uh, Civil Rights and Voting Rights Acts. In the 1920s, in 1920, women got the right to vote. So, you know, we've been stepping in the right direction. It looks to me like we're now stepping in reverse. Well, 
I don't think we've been stepping forward this whole time. I think you'd definitely agree that every time we have a Repu- Republican administration specifically, we take a step backward. We've, we've taken steps backward with Nixon, and you, you kind of just covered it. But this progress has not been a line forward, and we just suddenly are going backwards. It has been if you, so, if you take it in 100-year chunks. But, you know, yeah, of course, it's all fits and starts. So yeah, we'll see. Dion, thanks for the call. Tony in Paella, Washington. Hey, Tony, what's up? What I'm really concerned about in the coming months, because if he does not get reelected, I don't think he's going to get taken out of office. And if he doesn't get reelected, that when he's a lame duck president uh, uh, trying to get us into war, what happens? Isn't there some kind of legislation trying to get put through that he has to get uh, Congress's approval before he can get in, in a war with Iran or anybody else? Yes, Rokana has proposed that legislation, and the vote on it is supposed to happen today in the House of Representatives. Today. Oh, wow. Okay. Hopefully you'll keep track of that and, find, and let us know what happened on that vote then. On uh, Rokana's legislation. Yeah, he was on this program yeah. telling everybody, pay attention to it, call your member of the House, 202-225-3121 is the number for the House Representative switchboard, and let them know that you support Rokana's legislation to stop Trump from starting a war with Iran. And in fact, if that legislation it, it was originally an amendment or a rider, I'm not sure what the exact word is, but I think an amendment to the National Defense Appropriation Act, the NDAA, it got stripped off by the Senate. So now it's going through a standalone legislation. So call your member of the House and tell them, support Roe Conner. Tony, Tony, thank you for the call. And thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rudy in Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, Rudy, what's up? Hey, Tom, my friend. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind? You know, that's why I have admiration for you, because you you have enough courage to at least listen to people and hear the truth about what's happening in this country, because I was listening to a couple of other callers, and they're spot on. This country has always been in tyranny, but see, now it's in our face, and this is the blind spot. We've been so willing and able to turn a blind eye to all the things that's been going on in this country. So now we're in this position. So now we're running around frantic. Yep. This has always been a situation in this country, Tom, as a black man. Yep. You I know? get it. We, we, I get it, Rudy. So what do we do? Well, I mean, I don't know because this country is not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same after Donald Trump. It's just not going to be the same because you're going to get someone that's going to be more sophisticated you're going to get the lynch mob that's going to probably be more sophisticated than you. And here we go again. So yep. this is a this is a dangerous president that we're setting. And, uh, you know, I wish I was an uh, internal optimist like you, Tom. I mean, it just, you know, I, I, I just don't see an alternative, turn. Rudy. I, I, you know, well, <laughs> it's like, you, know, we, well, you I mean, prepare I, for the worst, well, but you hope for the best yeah, well, and work for the best. Let me know? say this right. Well, let me say this right here. Democracy will always come about because the pendulum will swing one way and it goes the other. But I think that this Constitution, as we see it, will not be. I think this is the death of this Constitution. I, I think yeah. this Constitution is done. Well, and it's, um, and it's been done in in large part by the Supreme Court. And this all, exactly. I could even build a case that this all started in 1976 with the Buckley decision. Yeah, the when, the, I, right, when the Supreme Court said billionaires can own politicians. Rudy, excellent I, points all. Thank you very much. Mike in Hope Sound, Florida. Hey, Mike, what's up? Hey, I'm with Rudy, I just let you know. And you know what? I do listen to you, Tom, and I will reserve my comments about Julio for uh, the Newsmax website, which, by the way, is a horrible, horrible operation yeah. and a uh, horrible owner. Uh, he's a conspiracy theorist, just like Trump. And my sympathies to the Vince Foster family because of Chris Ruddy. But as far as tyranny goes, there are so many choices, Tom. You name some. It's like a smorgasbord of treason. But you failed to mention the Southern strategy, which was a big, big which was Nixon. education. Yep. yep, and it's a big education because Republicans loved it. And they've used those kind of nasty, racist uh, strategies in winning elections. And, of course, once they're in power, they do whatever they want, and they try to twist the Constitution. But to get in power before they had Russia's help, you know, they ran out of options. Even racism and gerrymandering, they saw the end of the road. 
They had to reach out. Oh, wait a minute. Let's reach out to an oligarchy. Yeah, that'll work. Right. <laughs> and yeah, and, and that's, that's what they're doing. No, I you know, spot on. Mike, thank you. Ken in Lafayette, Colorado. Hey, Ken, your thoughts? Hi, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. So to comment on tyranny, the previous callers were spot on. You're spot on. I think when Trump finagled his way into the White House, they realized, they meaning Moscow, Mitch, et cetera, realized how compromised Trump was and how much of a buffoon he is, they can use him to fast-track their, as you mentioned in your book, the crash of Southern Sting, their robber baron mindset. Sure. Their Tax cuts, deregulation. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And then they figure, hey, we've got this fool who's allowed us to speed up the timeline, so to speak. And unfortunately, it's yeah, now he's undoing the Clean Water Act that Richard Blanking Nixon passed. I mean, it's like it's 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 insane. I got it. Yeah, uh, Ken, thank you very much. Gar in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Hey, Gar, what's up? Tom, I, I want to go back to your uh, discussion of when did the middle class end? <clears throat> but before I do, just quickly, I read your hidden history of guns, hidden history of the Supreme Court. They are superb. Thank you. I'm bloom, the Supreme Court book blew me away because it is so on point. Thank you. Anyway, I want to get back to your question about when the middle class was decimated. Mm-hmm. In my mind's eye, it's 1980 with David Stockton, and it became known as the Great Regression. So you're talking about the, the institution of trickle-down economics, Ronald Reaganomics. Reaganomics, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it became known as the Great Regression. If you were to graph from the from the from 1900 on a graph of the value of productivity, you get about a 45 degree line. And if you were to graph a line of mean wages, you get a 45 degree line parallel to productivity until 1980. Right. And, and in 1980, the wage line takes a hard right and stays flat yep. for the la- for the last 39 years. And productivity and, continues to increase. And, and exactly. Yeah. If you want to measure this distribution of wealth to the 1%, graphically, it's the difference between the, the wage line and the productivity line. Yep. All of that money has been stolen from the middle class and it has been handed to the 1%. Yeah, and best guess is it's somewhere between 3 and $7 trillion, which is mind-boggling. Gar, thank you for the call. Spot on. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Well, the show trial rolls on with the Q&A session. Yesterday, virtually all the questions that were asked by the Republicans, they asked the White House's lawyers questions so they would get their talking points on. And one of the questions even even uh, ended with, uh, and in fact, I think it was a Ted Cruz question, ended with Joe Biden fired the prosecutor who was investigating Burisma and his son, or words to that effect. There were so many lies in that one question that they rebutted the first two or three, and they never got to the end. They never got to that one. And then the Democrats asked their questions. In both cases, it was like, you know, in the high 20s, low 30s, the number of questions. And the Democrats asked their questions, and they were always asking them, I think maybe with one exception, asking them of the House managers, that is to say the prosecutors, the Adam Schiff and company. Noel Caster Comedy, the Twitter handle is at Kessler, C-A-S-L-E-R, Noel, N-O-E-L. I just retweeted this if you want to find it. He says, I got a message a couple months ago from a Navy medic who was stationed at the Pentagon and formerly the White House. Suffice it to say, many are aware of Trump's drug abuse. His trip to Walter Reed was not the first, but the third. He also told me Percocet was in the mix now. And what I tweeted was Donald Trump wouldn't be the first president to have used uppers, downers, speed, you know, et cetera. I think probably the most famous one was Jack Kennedy, who, you know, had broken his back in World War II and was in constant pain and also had Addison's disease, which caused him enormous fatigue before the invention of uh, steroids, which happened, I believe, during his presidency. I think it was 60, 61, 62, somewhere in there. They came out with finally a drug that could suppress his immune system and calm down his Addison's disease, which was killing him. And that's when he started swelling up. His, his face got uh, wider. But he would take uh, amphetamines. He would take speed to get up in the morning and to go through his day. And he would take painkillers uh, throughout the day and at night to get back to sleep. 
But I think with Donald Trump, it's gone way beyond that. I've seen him several times talking to the cameras, and he's just like speed rapping. You know, this guy, he's just moving right along. He is speeding like, you know, people wonder, you know, why does Trump say some of the things he says that actually get him into trouble? Why does he have these moments where he accidentally spills the beans? Yeah, I think China should investigate. I think, you know, why does he do that? Well, because he's speeding. If you've never taken cocaine or speed, just imagine drinking 10 or 15 cups of coffee. I mean, to the point where you're just like so jittery that you can't really just restrain yourself anymore. And it's just bursting out of you. And then to further inhibit your inhibitions, further reduce your inhibitions, throw in some narcotics. Which is, you know, why he can walk around and not look like he's in pain. Because his body's in pretty bad shape. Meanwhile, the Republicans yesterday in their question and answer session, and they will do the same today. One of the ones that I saw was Pam Bondi, and I thought this was hysterical. I mean, this Pam Bondi was the attorney general for the state of Florida. And I don't know if she initiated this investigation, somebody in her office initiated it, or she inherited it. I honestly don't know. But her office, the Attorney General of Florida's office, was investigating Trump University for fraud. Now, we know that it was a fraudulent scheme because Trump admitted to fraud and paid a $25 million fine when he was busted, I believe it was a court in Arizona. Because remember, it was Judge Curiel, I think was his name, and he was Hispanic. His parents or grandparents were from Mexico, and, and Trump called him that Mexican judge in that interview with, I believe it was Lester Holt. Great tweet here, Leslie on a pike, Leslie007 tweeted this. Pam earns $115,000 a month as a lobbyist for Qatar, Q-A-T-A-R, you know, the country of the Middle East. She has no experience in the region and doesn't speak Arabic, and her law degree is from a minor school. So keep in mind, a woman who is being paid as a lobbyist for a foreign country is complaining about Hunter Biden like this. Here's what we do know. Hunter Biden did attend one board meeting in, Mar uh, in Monaco. Now, we also heard that when Zolchevsky, the owner of Burisma, fled the Ukraine, he was living in Monaco. Oh, my God, that nails it. She's got him. Come on. You know, you're, you're taking money from a foreign government, and you're complaining about Biden's son taking money from a company in a foreign country. Really? I mean, yeah. So Hunter Biden shouldn't have been on that board. I'll give you that. It was stupid. Hunter Biden himself said that. That's why I think he should be testifying before Congress. He was questioned, and a news reporter got him, geez, what was this, six months ago? And he said, yeah, you know, in, in retrospect, it was not a good idea. I shouldn't have done that. It looked bad. But did he do anything criminal? No. Is Pam Bondi doing anything criminal if, if, in fact, she is a lobbyist for No. Is Jared Kushner doing something criminal in the Middle East when he's trying to get a billion dollars out of Qatar? I mean, ultimately, what he got, he got a he got billion dollars in August of 2018 from Brookfield Properties, which is a Qatar-backed company. And that bailed him out. That saved his butt. When his dad got out of jail... And Jared was, you know, a young man about to make his way in the world. And this story's been told before. I don't recall if it was his father who told him this or one of his father's friends who told him this. But they said, you know, Jared, you got to do three things in order to have credibility and avoid the fate your father suffered of, you know, going to jail for the grift is your family business in part. Number one, you need to buy a newspaper. Always get your own story out. And Jared did that. He bought, I think it's called the New York Examiner. He bought a rather small right-wing newspaper in New York City. He said, number two, you need to buy a big building, a big, fancy, showpiece building. And so Jared went out and bought 666 Fifth Avenue, which is a giant skyscraper in New York City. Iconic building, big building, built back in the 60s. 
and paid a couple hundred million dollars more than it was worth. And then number three, he said, you got to marry somebody who's wealthy and attractive and has a good pedigree. And he married Ivanka Trump. This was Jared's, I'm going to become something more than just a grifter routine. Did Jared Kushner commit crimes? Well, we don't know because the Trump administration, this CNBC reporting this morning that in November of 2017, Trump was on a 12-day tour through Asia. They made a two-day stop in Beijing. What wasn't on the White House or State Department agendas, but CNBC confirmed happened was, and I quote from this, uh, this is an article in, from CNBC. It's by Kayla Tausch was, quote, a meeting with private equity investors convened by Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law and senior advisor, and U.S. Ambassador Terry Branstead. At the time of the meeting, the Kushner family was under fire for its pursuit of overseas investors, while Jared Kushner occupied a senior role advising the president on foreign policy. Well, gee, that's a little more, having your son-in-law hitting up foreign investors out of the White House, that's a little more than having the son of the vice president simply sit on the board of a foreign company where, you know, he shows up for, according to Pam Bondi, two board meetings and makes some serious bucks, but it's not corrupt or illegal. In fact, it's routine. But hustling foreign companies when you're in the White House? And immediately, again, back to CNBC, immediately prior to the meeting, Kushner's sister, Nicole Kushner-Meyer, when are we going to start talking about this stuff, about the corruption in the Trump family, the Trump crime family? Quoting from the CNBC article, in the months immediately prior to the meeting, Kushner's sister, Nicole Kushner-Meyer, referred to Jared at an event urging wealthy Chinese investors to buy $500,000 visas to come to the United States and participate in an upcoming New Jersey project. This was a construction project the Kushner crime family was doing. My words, not CNBC's. The Washington Post and the New York Times reported, back to the article, that investors in the Beijing sales pitch saw Jared Kushner's celebrity status as a draw. And then there was 666 Fifth Avenue. Again, quoting from the CNBC article, the Kushner Company's marquee New York property with $1.4 billion in debt coming due and a search for a new owner coming up empty. In 2016, the company was forced to abandon a deal to sell a stake to China's Ambang Insurance amid concerns of a conflict of interest should Trump win the White House. In August of 2018, Cutterback Brookfield Properties announced it would pay upfront for a 99-year lease on the building, erasing the Kushner Company's financial troubles. CNBC sought to learn about the agenda at the private investor meeting convened by Jared Kushner in China. A White House official confirmed the existence of the meeting to CNBC. The White House and State Department did not respond to additional requests for information. CNBC filed a request under the Freedom of Information Act with the State Department on December 11, 2017. For more than a year, CNBC emailed State regularly to check on the status. Last October, the State Department finally provided a date when they're going to release the papers on this meeting. July 23, 2021. Three and a half years after the original filing and a half a year after the election. Gee. What's going on here? Does this make uh, Hunter Biden look like a piker? I think so. This is the Tom Hartman Program. When do the Democrats go on the offense? I mean, there was a question yesterday from one of the Democrats, actually, about Kushner and Ivanka. So here we go. A body registered in July. Let's see what year this is. This is... I'm looking at a piece in the Palm Beach Post. Yeah, it was November of last year. So this was uh, July of last year. Pam Bondi registered under the Foreign Agents Registration Act as a part-time $115,000 a month lobbyist for Cutter. Now, I wonder if that coincides with the time when Jared Kushner was trying to get a billion dollars out of Cutter. And Saudi Arabia barricaded Cutter. Cutter is this little kind of peninsula that juts out into the Arabian Sea there, or the Gulf of whatever it is. And they are, you know, dependent on truck traffic coming in and out to get them food and stuff like that. Saudi Arabia cut them off, blockaded them. An ally. 
Qatar is where our military base is. It's where CENTCOM is, where we stage our wars in the Middle East out of. And somehow we just went along with that. That was just fine, Saudi Arabia. Do that. And then right after Saudi Arabia stopped the blockade, Qatar gave a billion dollars to Jared Kushner. And around that time, Pam Bondi starts taking $115,000 a month from Qatar. What the hell's going on here? I think it's time for a congressional investigation, don't you? Or are we going to end up, you know, 50 years from now listening to tapes out of the White House like the old LBJ and Nixon tape? I'll just play this just for the record. This is Lyndon Johnson talking to Everett Dirksen about Richard Nixon's efforts to blow up the peace deal that LBJ had finished and negotiated with North and South Vietnam. They were going to meet in Paris and declare peace in September of 1968. Because Nixon's treason was successful, that didn't happen, and Hubert Humphrey lost and Nixon became president in 68. And here it is. This is Lyndon Johnson talking to Everett Dirksen, the lead Republican, the Republican, the senior Republican in the U.S. Senate. Here's the latest, latest uh, information we got. The agent says that uh, she's just, they just talked to the boss in New Mexico. And that he says that you must hold out. Just hold on until after the election. We know what you is saying to them out there. Yeah. We're pretty well informed on both ends. Now, I'm reading their hand, Everett. I don't want to get this in the campaign. That's right. And they oughtn't to be doing this. This is treason. I know. This is treason. I know. Everett Dirksen has such a cool voice. I always wanted to be able to talk like Everett Dirksen. He had such a cool voice. Anyhow, there's that. But boy, is there a pile of stuff with the Kushners. And Ivanka, every time, it seems, Trump gets together with Xi, President Xi of China, Ivanka gets a whole bunch of new patents and trademarks on everything from shoes. Well, in fact, you know, as Robert Reich tweeted last week, and I shared this tweet with you when it came out, that the one exception to Donald Trump's tariffs on China was Ivanka's clothing line. She ordered over 100,000 pairs of shoes like the week after Trump imposed this tariff. Tariff free. Why is nobody investigating that? You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. Is it time to start investigating the Trump crime family in a serious way? Is it time to start lobbying the Democrats to do this? Or would it backfire? Boy, what a day, huh? Skip in Seattle. Hey, Skip, what's on your mind today? I would like to suggest that the Democrats could have a little fun with the Republicans by requesting a secret ballot vote. It's too late. It's too late. That would have had to have been done on the first official day of the trial when they uh, were debating the the rules under which the trial would be held. And it was proposed and it was shot down. So they just print out 100 ballots, hand them out and say, vote your conscience. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful way to show that everybody's afraid of retribution. And the secret ballot in this country is kind of like a time-honored tradition. So I appreciate your comments. Thanks, Tom. Okay. Thank you, Skip. Good to hear from you. Janet in De Plain, Illinois. Uh, Janet, what's on your mind? Hi, Tom. I have a suggestion. In addition to calling our senators, call the sergeant of arms. The sergeant of arms cannot make independent decisions. But the message goes to Chief Justice Roberts. So I called, talked to a live person, they record mm-hmm. your message, and they forward that to the Chief Justice, and I asked for him if it's in his power to allow for witnesses mm-hmm. to testify, otherwise it's a sham trial, and it's right. setting a very dangerous precedent for our future. Yeah, I'm with you, and that's going to be the proposal that the Democrats are going to start tomorrow with, and uh, you know, it'll, it'll um, prob- probably get shot down, but we'll see. Cool. Thank you, Janet. Appreciate it. Tim in uh, Belle Plaine, Iowa. Hey, Tim. I believe he is capable of arresting the Democratic nominee. He being Trump? Yes. He's already proven he'll assassinate someone for attention. He's With Soleimani, yeah. And Barr got hired because of his performance at the end of Iran-Contra. This is truly dangerous, and I don't think everybody understands how evil evil can be. Yeah. I am completely with you, Tim. Kurt in Los Angeles. Kurt, final thoughts here for the day? Hey, Tom, I haven't heard all of your show, but uh, I wanted to reiterate a point you've probably 
touched on, and that is I think we need this to make this an issue about the entire Republican, the modern Republican Party. This yes. is not the Republican Party of Eisenhower, Pete McCloskey, Alan Simpson. Remember Nick, under Nixon, we actually had a Republican attorney general who refused to obstruct uh, justice. So they have basically well, sort of. gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elliot Richardson, yeah. But, he, you know, John Mitchell had no problem obstructing justice. He went to jail right, for true. it. Yeah. But I get your point, Kurt. Yeah. And, and I, I mourn the loss of that Republican Party. My dad was one of those Republicans. And, uh, you know, they were, they were it's, it's you know, they, they, like I said earlier, they've sold their soul to the devil. Thanks a lot for the call, Kurt. Carol in uh, Manesson, Pennsylvania. Carol, we've got about a half a minute here. You want to make a quick comment? Oh, uh, I just wanted to say that I, I don't know whether it was Buckley versus Vallejo or the Trump doctor or the uh, Powell doctrine or whatever started it. But the chickens have all come home to roost. Yes. And we're going to pay a high price for it. It's going to be like a police state. And how long do you think it's going to be before he decides that the Washington Post and the New York Times have to be closed down for dissenting from his policies? I think it'll be about three months after he gets reelected, if that's what exactly. happens. Exactly. Yeah. It scares me to death. And, and by the way, he won't be the first president to have done that. President John Adams shut down over 20 newspapers because he, he didn't like the way that they were covering him. So there's actually wow. precedent for this. Carol, thank you for the call. Um, you know, it's not it's not that weird. It's not that wild. This uh, John Adams was the second president of the United States. He was one of the founders of this republic. And he put reporters in prison. He put member of Congress, Matthew Lyon, in prison. Lyon ran for re-election in the election of 1800 from a jail cell in Virgins, Vermont. Anyhow, get out there, get active, tag, you're it, and tell your friends and neighbors and relatives how to find good progressive media. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Tom Hartman Cruise will be sailing in July of 2020. The seven-day Oceana Cruise will be going to Bermuda, and I'll be hosting onboard events about the topics of the day. More info at TomHartman.com or 800-856-1155.